Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Maybe that's why Bluehost has been recommended by WordPress.org since 2005. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com wondersuite. That's bluehost.com wondersuite. Welcome to Recovery Road. I'm your host, Merritt Hartblain. This is where we bring together the mental health, substance use, wellness, and self-care communities to discuss issues of the day. I'm very excited about this week's episode. But first, if you're new to listening to the show, you can find us on all your favorite podcast platforms are at uh, Be The Voice Network, BrannisEnterprises.com. You can also find my book, Lost Innocence, My Journey from Addiction to Recovery, on both Amazon and Kindle versions. And in, I would say in the, in the near future, we'll be releasing the audiobook. I'm very excited about that. So uh, as you uh, as you guys know, you know I've uh, I've dedicated uh, almost the last seven or eight months to uh, parents and moms to come on and talk about the children they lost due to this horrible uh, epidemic of fentanyl murder going throughout this country. Um, so uh, today I'm joined by Julie LaFrance. Uh, Julie's daughter Danielle passed away tragically from fentanyl murder at the age of 26 on February 21st, 2020. A little bit about Danielle. Um, well, uh, as Julie states, Julie's a recovering addict of 18 years from opiate pills. She had four children. One of them was actually lying next to her when she overdosed. And that was Danielle, her youngest. Um, Danielle was full of life. She met the love of her life at 14 and they had five children by the time they were 26. She was the more reckless one, but I never thought she'd pick up smoking 30 meg perks one day just to try. She didn't tell anybody, but there were rumors among her siblings about what she was doing. I approached her and she denied it. So, uh, you know, on, on and on we go. I mean, it's, uh, I'm not gonna talk too much about it, so I'll leave, leave it up to Julie, but um, in February of 2020, Danielle and her boyfriend had some arguments, which resulted in him going to stay with his parents for a few days. Danielle was depressed that week. She had inherited the family affliction of anxiety and depression and wasn't being treated for it. On February 20th, she decided to call for some heroin, only it wasn't the regular guy they usually call this guy, brought her straight uncut fentanyl. Uh, it was 2 p.m. Friday, 21st by then. Uh, so again, you know, they found Danielle tragically uh, dead from this horrible, horrible disease. Uh, yeah. Julie, welcome to Recovery Road. Thank you. I appreciate you having me on here and I absolutely love everything that you do. Well, you know, I, you know, it's, uh, as I've talked about this, this has been, this has been quite a journey, you know, for me, you know, I, I, uh, I have 13 years of sobriety, so I, I've seen addiction from both sides. Right. Uh, 
I, uh, you know, after my book came out, I decided to do more with the podcast. And, you know, I guess it was at the early stage of the podcast I had on um, Di- uh, Kathy uh, Lawley and Diane Urban, who at that time had started Appalled and mm-hmm. Association of People Against Lethal Drugs and met with them. And they came on the podcast, talked about the loss of their kids. And I said, you know, again, as a spiritual thing, the thing that came to me and said, I've got to do more. Right. So, um, I appreciate you doing this, Julie, because I know it's it's hard for a lot of parents, though I've hoped that uh, by coming on the podcast and by uh, becoming family, it, it gives you some sort of closure and mm-hmm. helps you kind of tell your story. So why don't you tell us about Danielle? Um, Danielle was my second child. I have two girls and two boys. She They go in order, um, an older girl, then Danielle, a boy and a boy. Um, girls were complete opposites. They're three and a half years apart. Um, my, just to let you know what I mean, my oldest is 32. She's a registered nurse going to school for nurse practitioner, just gave birth to her fourth child, has her own home, her own car. She's married, has everything she could ever want. She's very, very strong. She's an extremely good mother you know, loves their children. Not that Danielle didn't, but Danielle was the more reckless one, just like you said. She um, grew up, you know, the same way as, as Samantha did. And um, it wasn't a matter of anything she was taught, but she was basically me at that age. You know, she said what she wanted to say when she wanted to say it. Uh, you couldn't tell her that she was wrong. That was it. <laughs> right. She, she liked to take risks. She liked to have fun. But she really had never done anything big. Out of all four of my kids, she was the only one that even tried marijuana. And Uh when I knew that, at that time, I thought, you know, based on the fact that I have a history of using something that, you know, even back when I was doing it, and it was opiate pills, it never reached heroin. I was scared to death of the stuff. Um, Knowing what's out today, I was like, you know what, you want to smoke pot, go right ahead. Right. Um, and, you know, she had her first young, just like I did, um, and then had one right after the other. Her her babies, when she passed, were almost one, almost two, almost three, almost four and nine. Wow. So they were very, very small. I think it's a combination of Danielle. She loved her babies fiercely. She really, really did. Right. Um, she had, like you said, the family affliction and she didn't want to, you know, didn't think she needed help for that. You know, um, by having a baby young, kind of like I did, I, you know, my first was at the same age, but I went and got married. It kind of gives you that quote unquote license to do what it is you want to do without, you know, a parent saying, no, you can't do this or not, you know, you kind of lose that. And and I've realized over the years, that's, that's what I, I and, and her lost was that ability to. So, um, but I never thought that she would, you know, um, try anything else. Uh, she never showed any interest in it. Like I said, all of my children knew of my struggles. Danielle was seven when I got clean Mm -hmm. and they all watched me struggle on the methadone and then the suboxone that I was on, not because I wanted to use, but I mean, it's, it's, you know, the side effects of it and, you know, being scared of withdrawal when you were, you know, when you do stop it or you, you know, taper down. And um, they watched that and, you know, it, it wasn't like they weren't aware. 
And, you know, when I had heard the, you know, the rumor um, that she had been smoking perk thirties or taking them or something with her boyfriend. And I, like I said, I confronted her, she denied it. I was the one and the only one that she would tell things to um, when she got in trouble or she would, every time she got pregnant, she would come to me. We were very much alike. But we butted heads because of that too. Of so course. we spent most of our teenage years, and and later um, she berated me constantly wow. for the choices I made. Wow, you would have so, thought that you would have thought that um, she would have used you as a power of example that you had been clean and that yes. she would she would kind of piggyback off your sobriety. That's what I thought. I'm not. I don't know whether it's you know that generation that thinks they're invincible. Um, oh, it's not going to happen to me. But back when I was doing it, you know, even even though, like, you know, there was heroin out, which I, I, I never I never would touch. It, it was, you know, five milligram Percocets. Today, they start with 30 milligram Percocet, which is a very, very high yeah. amount. It's, crazy. you know, it's crazy. and they get, you know, such a, a feeling from it. And I know that, you know, when I did it, it was you know, with the result of a surgery, I tried it for the first time because of that. And it wasn't, you know, trying it because I wanted to take the, the drug. It was, oh my God, I don't feel anxious and depressed for the first time in my life. And I kind of used it as a anti-anxiety, anti-depression medication secretly. Let me ask you a question. Um, Let me ask you yep. a question, uh, Julie. What, mm -hmm. led, what led you to get clean and sober? Um, basically when the last, the last day uh, I had had, uh, their father and I had divorced and I had three, the three of them that were young, um, you know, Sammy was, uh, a nine and Danny was seven and Mikey was three and a half. Um, I had gotten a prescription for 95 milligram Percocet at nine 30 in the morning on a Friday. And they, they were with their father for the weekend by three 30 the next morning, they were gone. Wow. So I just decided, you know what, is this, I'd already gone through withdrawal when I didn't have them because your tolerance grows over the years and, of course. you know, and stuff like that. Um, I put myself into treatment. I just that that was it. It wasn't the, the way to be. Wow. Um, and, you know, but they knew I was always in treatment. I was always talking about it. I was always saying how how much it was needed they knew i was in therapy for the anxiety i mean no one in my family has clinical depression or bipolar or anything mm -hmm. but we we tend to have anxiety and depression and my grandparents and my my mother kind of hit it sure you know sure. i i even remember telling my mother mom i got this these medicine you know when i got my wisdom teeth out and for the first time in 19 years i didn't feel scared and she said oh and that was it. That was it. I mean, she, yeah. she had no, she had no understanding that you could get you could get get addicted like that. Right. Or that she could have said, "Hey, there's a different type of doctor you yeah, can go to that yeah, can work on it." Because yeah. she didn't want to admit. And to this day, she still does not admit that she has it. And she it's 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 like almost like a, a running joke between me and my children that wow. you know Nana spends two hours with the kids and then she has to go have a drink with her friends. You know what I mean? Just because you can't so you were the first one in your family uh, yeah. to, to come out and say, you know what, I've got a problem and I have to deal right. with it and get better. Yes. Um, um, 
uh, I'm, I'm guessing, oh, I'm not guessing. Uh, do you, uh, do you work a strong recovery program? Do you, are you an AA or NA? Um, you- I'm not an AA or NA. Actually, when I got clean, the place that I went to dealt more with smart recovery, which All is right. the whole mindfulness. Yeah. I know smart recovery. That good, good program. Very good for me. My, good, good, my good. mind is very, very into, good. I read a lot like good. excessively good. and the whole, you know, I read those books on, um, all the different things, whether it's anxiety or, or the, even the workbooks for the 12 steps, it Good. all just clicks in my head. Good for and you. And for opiates, at least, you know, it, it's it's done wonders for me. Oh, and, no, it's a, it's a great program. I mean, I, I have a lot of patients that go through smart recovery. I always say there's no cookie cutter approach. Whatever works right. for you is what's And the, whatever works for you, right. Whatever works. So, um, so when Danielle, when, when you first noticed that time that, you know, she was... I guess, exhibiting anxiety and depression. Mm-hmm. Did you like sit her down and say, you know what, we need to get you some help? It was a lot of years that um, probably from the age of 20 on, I couldn't say anything to her without her saying, no, I'm fine. It's none of your business. I mean, she almost, you know, she spent years making me cry with conversations, blaming me for how her life went. And, you know, because I, you know, went into treatment, they didn't understand at that age or, you know, younger that you don't make that choice. You know, you don't go out and go, Hmm, Hmm. I've got three kids at home, but I'm going to go take a drug. That's going to take me away from them. You know, it it, it doesn't start that way. Uh, Even when people go to the street and take it to get high in the first place, um, it's that choice that you make and then the choices that you make after. Right. And even to this day, my oldest, uh, you know, kind of resents me for doing that. They weren't, you know, that happy being put with their father. He's a, loves them to death, but he's not a very nurturing person. So it was wow. a little different for them. That's, um, that's kind of crazy. You know, I think yeah. that, you know, the thing that I realized over the years is that no kid, you know, and, 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 you know, uh, Julie, all the patients that I work with, uh, whether it's an outpatient or whether mm-hmm. it's in private practice, um, if they're 30, 40, 50, 60, whatever it is, mm-hmm. you can, you can trace their addiction all the way back to when they were a kid. Yes. You know? And yes. in my world, no kid who's nine or 10 years old should be taking any kind of drugs to feel normal. That should no. not, that's that. So there's something really wrong, you know, yes. and the system's totally broken. I'm not, I, I, I'm not judging parents, mm-hmm. but there's really something wrong at the school level and, and beyond where yes. they're not picking up on this. And kids, you know, social media, I think, is a total disaster. You know, yes, uh, you know, peop- these, ki- these kids that are getting, uh, you know, they're on Snapchat and these predators are selling them Percocets and, yes. they're, and they're dead the next day. So, um, uh, you know, and, I, and I'm so sorry about what happened to, to Danielle, but I would, it's too bad that your other kids wouldn't look to you now and say, mom, you know, we need help. You know, right. why, why is it that kids don't want to come and talk to their parents or their moms or their dads? Um, I don't know. Danielle never told me herself, um, like when it first started, when she thought it could happen. The one thing she did do was that when they found out that the perk 30s were too expensive and they did switch to, to heroin. They switched to smoking it. And then they tried to stop. It was her and her boyfriend. The withdrawal got them. And she called me up crying, mom, I didn't know. I didn't really. I'm like, cause I'd been telling her for years that that was one of the biggest 
fears and problems that I went through was the was the withdrawal and how long it lasts and how sick you get. Mom, I'm so sorry. I didn't believe you. I didn't believe it was real and this and that. And this was about the year before she she passed. And I went and stayed with her and her boyfriend. I stuck them in their bedroom with a bunch of Suboxone. Right. I watched all five of the kids on my own. And they were small enough that, you know, one was on my hip, one was on my leg. Right. The other two you had to watch, you know. <laughs> And I watched them, you know, go to bed at night. And the next day I, you know, I'm like, I, you know, went into their room. I'm like, here, take a piece of this, you know, rest or whatever. They could not wait the full 24 hours. They didn't believe me that the Suboxone takes it all away Yeah, and gives you, you know, within an hour after you take it, your withdrawal symptoms are gone. It gives you a sense of well-being. It's, it's nothing like methadone. I don't, you know, I think they were ready to get clean, but they didn't believe me that it was going to make them feel better. And I stayed for nine days wow. watching them then leave the house, go out and buy it, and then watching my daughter come out of her room all high. But then Which the story, but then the story, high. right. And then the story in your story, you, you tell, you talk about that right after that though, to help pay the rent, they started selling heroin. Yep. Yep, they did. They um, got kicked out of the apartment that they were in and they were staying with a friend. And she told me that they had stopped. And I think that they had slowed down. They did something because they weren't doing it every day and they weren't sick. So they did do something. Um, but the friend ended up calling the police on them because the paraphernalia that they used to smoke it with was on a table oh, and man. the kids were running around. Oh no. So the cops showed up and, you know, again, I found all this out afterwards. They had started selling it and he was caught, you know, with um, some on him and, you know, her with the paraphernalia. So, you know, it was both of their first arrests in, you know, all of that. Um, but even after that, cause DCF took the children away um, and this was in like November, even after that, um, I don't know if anyone was following them as far as, you know, like they had to take drug tests, they had to go to court, they had to show the court everything that they were going to be doing before they could get the kids back. Sure. You know, right before she passed, she had been passing all her drug tests. She had a full-time job. They had a four bedroom housing, you know, uh, apartment set up i mean the rooms were set up with the kids beds folded clothes and drawers toys they even had a christmas tree with presents still under it because you know they had been taken in november and like i like you would i told you when you read um you know she got into a fight with her boyfriend and he were left for the night obviously the kids still weren't home um and she got depressed about a couple of other things and called somebody different and you know that they ended up giving it we have video of him coming into the house at 10 o'clock walking back out at 10 05 they can't identify him but you know there is video because all housing uh apartments have video on them so is there um, like a is there an ongoing investigation nope because they say they can't recognize we've figured out who it is um just through word of mouth and different people knowing um, different situations, but you know, it, it, there's not really much you can do about it. The police said, unless they recognize them and it wasn't clear enough for them to recognize the person, there was nothing they could do. Um, and you know, she didn't wait to take it. This was at 10 o'clock at night. 
And when she didn't show up at work the next morning, they called her, her boyfriend, who was her, you know, emergency contact. And by then it, had, it was two o'clock. Um, uh, the house was locked. He looked in the window, saw her there basically on her knees on the ground and broke in. And she had been there since the night before. And he was so devastated. He was uh, very upset. He was, he was vomiting everything. He couldn't call me. Um, the police actually, um, tried to call me, but I guess they had my wrong phone number and it, it just worked out that whatever friend he was with must've told somebody else, um, who told, um, my, my boyfriend, I, he's a, someone I, I grew up with and my kids grew up with, and there's right. a lot of extended family. Um, his daughter actually reached out. I wasn't home that night. His daughter reached out to him and said, I think something happened to Danielle. And they actually tried to find out before they, you know, called me because they didn't want to say anything if it wasn't true. And um, his son happened to be here with her girlfriend and they had her call the Marlboro Police Department, which is the town that Danielle lived in at the time and pretend to be her older sister right. to confirm that that was what is. And then my boyfriend called me and said, you need to get home something really bad has happened to Danielle. And I kept saying, what, what? And I could, I, I was thinking about it, but I'm thinking it can't be, you know, she, you know, she would have had to have been doing it all this time, or, right. you know, not realizing, remembering that when you get clean and you haven't been doing it a lot, your tolerance, you know, so, plus uh, obviously the fentanyl. Right. So what happened? Um, are the kids still with uh, child services? Nope. They, um, they actually placed, um, the, one of them is technically biologically, um, her first boyfriends, but they had broken up right when she had the baby and her fiance had raised her as his own for this whole time. Um, but they weren't married. So when Danielle died, because he's on the birth certificate, he came into custody her. Wow. Um, and we're having trouble seeing her because, um, he doesn't, he knows Danielle would not want her with him. Um, his parents don't know anything about us. And I'm actually um, working on getting grandparents' rights to, to see her. But the other four are living with Diego's parents, which is her fiance. Okay. Um, and he lives with his brother right down the street. He's doing all the stuff the court has asked him because, you know, because of how the kids were taken. He good. sees them every day. Good, good, um, good. They're good. now three, four, five, and six. So, you know, wow. they... Wow. And, you know, I did the things that I did, the, that book that she's in, two days after she passed, somebody reached out to me through that Not In Vain group. Right. Because um, it's a private Facebook group and you have to be invited to it. Uh -huh. I don't know if somebody who was in it saw something on my page or knew somebody in my family that had said it, but they reached out to me. And that's how I got involved with Not In Vain. And it's, you know, the co-founders of that that got that book published and that's why she's in that book that's i great. found that during the first year um i've made uh, remembering daniela france pages on facebook i've made a page on forevermiss.com um we're talking over 500 pictures and videos because three of them are young so young they're not even going to remember what she right. looks like wow. so I, I it helped me get through it Good. um you know, yeah. I worked with overdose awareness groups. I, right. you know, right. every, anything that has to do with that. 
and um, I start school next month to get my BA in psychology with a focus on addiction and substance abuse. That's great. Do you um do you know April Babcock? I know the name. Yes. So April, you know she has the Lost Voices of Fentanyl. I mean, um, if you ever want if you ever want to talk about trying to put a rally together up there, you know, I'd be more than happy to come up and, and okay and, and help. That's you. where I know the name. Yes, and I I've seen that Lost Voices of Fentanyl. I definitely yeah. have seen that. Yeah. We we had that rally in uh, D.C. in August, and we have another. Yep. I think we have another one planned for this spring. But um, so here's my question to you, and I and I applaud you, mm -hmm. Julie, because you know there's been a lot of moms who haven't been able to. Uh, get out from under this. So, yeah. how, so how did you turn your sadness to anger to advocacy to now to try to push so that you can maybe somewhere down the road save another kid's life? Um, I think because of the fact that in the beginning, just like for any mother, losing a child is not something that you're ever prepared for. And I, you know, Danielle was the child that, you know, was most like me. And, you know, it was a shock. It still is. And, you know, it's been 22 months and I, you know, to me, it's the same as if it was yesterday. I've kept myself busy with the remembrance pages and the overdose Good. awareness and all Good. the things like that, Good. that has helped me get through it. But I, I don't, I don't know if it's taken me in any certain direction. Right. Um, I'm not sure where it leads to. Like once I go to you know school, that'll help because then I know sure. I can, you know work in the field, and yeah. that will be even better. But I didn't really change. I mean, I've even had people close to me, my boyfriend, my even my older daughter, saying, you know, Danny's gone. You have to move on. The only people that understand why that that sentence Are is other parents. ridiculous is other parents. Um, yeah. <laughs> did you, um, so, um, Julie, have you, have you worked with any therapist? I mean, just to kind of process what's going yeah. on. Yeah, I do have a therapist and a, and a doctor Good. and they're Good. very, very aware. As soon Good. as it happened, I let them both know. And they've, you know, they've made themselves very uh, available to me. And, you know, my doctor checks in with me because we've had some up and downs with, you know, her dying and, and, and then, you know, um, not being able to see her oldest daughter because of the yeah. biological father and the family. Sure. It's kind of a an it's odd tough. situation and, and, and stuff like that. And, you know, I, she's 11. She's, she's you know, I'm, she grew up with us. You know what I mean? And sure. I know DNA would want her to be um, with us. And, and, you know, that's like my newest Okay. kind of Good. focus you know how, what i mean how are your um how does how's your ex-husband holding up does he still do you guys talk to each other or um i don't really talk to him um he's married again and has a four-year-old child he's all right but i think he was more he he has a habit of kind of believing what he wants to believe even okay. the night that, that that she passed we all met at my daughter's house. And the first thing he said when he came in the door, because we, you know, we had talked to, I had told, even though Danielle to the day she passed, never admitted to the rest of the family, what she had been doing. Sure. Um, he, his words were, well, if she did it last year and she stopped, it couldn't have been that that killed her because, you know, once you stop, you stop forever. And oh, like, no. Oh, oh my God. You know, that's the hardest no. thing. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I, uh, you know, I, I, I work with a lot of families, you know, and, and mm -hmm. it's about teaching them about the disease of addiction. It's a family yes. disease and everybody gets yes. affected by it. Um, but I applaud you for the work that you're doing. And, um, thank you. I, and, and I'm glad that we've had a chance to spend some time together. Um, yeah. you know, for me, you know, uh, I'm in this for the long haul, you know, yes. uh, 
I'm grateful that I'm that I have a chance. You know, we, we all become family now. I mean, yes, I, mean, I know. That- I've I've researched you a lot since I first heard about you, <laughs> and you have done amazing work. And oh, thank I you. I can't I'm I I can't tell you how much I appreciate everything you've said and that you the work that you've done. It's just amazing, absolutely amazing. Well, you know, I'm I'm grateful. I'm really grateful to be able to do it, and I think that you know you've got my number now, so you know yep. I, we need to stay in touch. Um, Yep. If, if something's ever coming up up there where you want to have a speaker or somebody come, you know, I can, okay. I can be up there in a heartbeat and that uh, would be awesome. And, uh, you know, maybe, uh, in a, in, uh, maybe down the road in a couple mm-hmm. of months, I'd like to have you back on. Maybe we could talk okay. some more, more about how things are going with you. When do you expect to start school? Um, it actually starts January 10th. That's great. You know what? Congratulations. I think that's Thank the best, you. you know, uh, you're gonna, you're gonna make, you know what? I think that, uh, I think that Danielle knows. You know that you're. I five, hope so. I think she believes that. You know, uh, I know it's it's a horrible thing to say that everything happens for a reason, but I think that right. you're going to carry on this message for her. That's and, what my purpose is. And we, and I tell all the moms, you know, that we're gonna we're gonna fight this fight in their name until yes. we make enough noise yep. that somebody starts to listen to what's yes. happening. And even in and, and, and like you said, if it helps one person, that's it. you know, that not in vain book has 160 stories in it. You know, the, the rallies, the overdose awareness groups, if one parent who has a child who's using or someone who's using or a family member who's using or knows someone hears something, something is going to click. Something right. that one, one of us says is going to oh, click. Yeah. And if so. it helps one person, we've done our job. You know, I don't want anyone to ever go through what I've gone through, you know, and it's, I never, it was such a short time that they were even doing it. And, and it, it, like you said, what's out is so dangerous. There's no, there's no safe way to use it, you know? No, no, no. So we really need to educate these people and make sure they understand it is not, is not to be played with anymore. it's no joke yeah well you know what uh, julie i can't thank you enough again for doing this and we yeah, need to stay I thank you very much we need to stay in touch you know and Absolutely. Uh, you know reach out see how things are going uh if you ever need me to connect you with any more moms i'm sure you got some connections but i can do that for you as well and that we'll would just, be great we'll keep fighting this fight together and absolutely uh, again, so guys, uh, you know, thank you so much, guys. Remember, if you want to find my book, uh, Lost Innocence, My Journey from Addiction to Recovery, you can find it on Amazon.com in both Kindle and paperback versions. And remember, if you want something you've never had, do something you've never done. Carpe diem, and God bless. Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. 
Tom. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.